This is Corey Calder from Staffelty Spilling the Tea. I first want to thank you for giving us a listen and giving us a download. In this episode, you're going to get to hear from three incredible educators from our specialty center at Verona High School. I don't want to waste your time any longer, so let's get going. There's the bell. Time for class. Hey, all you podcast listeners out there. This is Corey Calder, the host of Staffelty Spilling the Tea. I am here today with an incredible educator. Um, her name is Claire McEwitt. Claire, do you want to say hey? Hi, guys. So um, just a quick story about Miss McEwitt. I was on a uh, Zoom call with some of my students, just kind of explaining to them what virtual learning is going to look like in May. Mm-hmm. And um, as I'm talking with them, I was like, hey, guys, I'm doing this podcast. Would y'all listen? They're like, yeah, yeah, but you got to get cool teachers. I was like, yeah, duh. And then um, <laughs> they're like, we'll also get you know, other staff members. So that's where staffity came from, um, as staff members and faculty. And one of them was like, oh, and you got to get Miss McEwitt. She's Woo-hoo! awesome. I love her class. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to spill the tea as to who that student was. Um, but Claire, do you want to just kind of introduce yourself and let us know how you got into education? I would love to. Thanks so much, Mr. Calder. Um, so yeah, my name is Claire McEwitt. This is currently my 14th year, if you could believe that, of teaching. Um, This is my third school district that I have taught. Way back in the day, I was a director for um, Channel 8, the ABC affiliate here in Richmond, and I knew that there were television studios popping up in high schools all over the place, and um, I had read that they were pulling usually English teachers or librarians to teach these classes, and me thinking that I know everything, um, figured that I was better equipped um, to teach these classes. So I got myself back in school, got my teaching license from the University of Richmond night school, um, mostly, and I know this is a cliche, and I know this sounds fairly cheesy, I mostly left television to go into education because I wanted to make a difference. It was pretty amazing being part of a team to create the nightly newscast but I wanted to make more of a difference. I wanted to pass that knowledge on to the next generation of people that were gonna be running a camera and directing shows. I wanted to be able to equip more people with the knowledge to how to tell their stories. So um, I left television and got my teaching license through University of Richmond. Um, substitute taught along the way and started the television production program at Richmond Tech Center um, for Richmond Public Schools long, long time ago. So fast forward to a couple of years ago when uh, Mrs. Kraft offered me the position with the Center for Communications at Verina High School and haven't looked back. It's been a pretty amazing journey. So, yeah. That's incredible. That's a, that's a sweet journey. And, you know, as a VCU fan you know hearing the spiders yeah you know but i I can i can like i can like the spiders if if you're a spider i can like the spiders (laughs) no i no i always feel the need to to set the record straight my undergrad my bachelor of science with in mass communications is from vcu so it was there we go go rams it was definitely hard for me to um make the leap because u of r is a completely different um but i did like they had a great 
teacher licensure program, it was just strictly evening classes. It was all adults because by the time I made the decision to go back to school, um, I didn't want to have to deal with regular campus life. And, mm-hmm. and all of the professors who were teaching these teacher prep classes were principals and local um, local educators. So I had a great experience at U of R, but nothing will ever replace VCU in my heart, especially college basketball. I really miss college yes, basketball. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so, did you see um, one of our stars got uh, an offer from VCU basketball? I did, and I was so happy about that. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm, I'm sure he's going to get a lot of a lot of big time offers, but if he becomes a Ram, sign me up for season tickets. Seriously, seriously, I haven't been to a game in so long. It's one of the things I really miss. Yeah, my wife and I went to one this year, and we loved it. Oh, so yeah. we we try to go to one a year, um, and then you know, hey, be honest, enjoy it that way. Are you a face painter? Did you paint your face when you went to this game? <laughs> I did not, but when I went to VCU as a student. I painted my face. I was all rammed out. I mean, it was every game, student section, front row. I was loving every second. I believe it. I can see it. <laughs> but no, if, when, I, when I'm going to sporting events with my wife, I kind of t- dial back the fanism just a little bit. <laughs> I can see you uh, undercover having like your chest painted and then at the, at the right time, you know, just peeling Damn. off your shirt and whipping it around your head. That would be amazing. <laughs> I, I could probably do that for a three-pointer. <laughs> hey, so you mentioned you like, you know, teaching and you like this team feel. And yeah. that's what you wanted to bring from the new studio. How do you do that in your classroom and with your students? Um, so a lot of the projects that we do are team-based by its very nature. Creating creating films and creating television is a team is a team dynamic. And that's really difficult because I always I always preface it by explaining to my students, you guys have done a ton of group work in the past and you'll always have that one person who isn't pulling their weight. Um, mm-hmm. So I always expect them to have very open communication with me about the group dynamic and communication with each other. And I have, um, we've been teaching how to create a news package, how to create a video long enough that I um, can hold everybody accountable, whether it's through a work log or whether it's through um, everybody has to, while a team may go out and shoot the video, everybody is responsible for editing on their own, which is nice too, because that gives everybody the opportunity to bring their own creative flair to the project um, and helps keep everybody accountable for it. And I love seeing how different people work together. Um, I always encourage my students, you know, maybe for two projects, you can pick the same partner, but then after that, you have to pick someone else, or we can do random. I have a, um, my quote unquote, magic Hogwarts sorting hat. Well, I'll have everybody's name in a hat and you have to randomly select your partner, which has, yeah, which has definitely turned out with mixed results. Um, But, you know, but I also like to encourage the kids to try somebody new because you don't know who who has strengths that you may be lacking. So the teamwork can be difficult for kids, but it's also a very important part of the main skill. One of the, some of the main C's that we try to teach in Henrico collaboration and communication. Haha. Shout out. Yeah, I was just about to ask you, I was just about to say <laughs> what six C do you use the most? So you're rocking out with two of them, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, is there, is there anything specific you do 
besides just encouraging them to work with someone new? Like, do you, do you teach them any skills? Do you tell stories about how it's worked for you? What sort of like support are you offering them when they're working with someone new? When they're working with someone new, I always try to um, have the students have the students set schedules. Um, for instance, let's say they have to set up an interview, shoot the interview, and then edit the interview. But I know in between everybody's schedules that um, there's a limited amount of time that they can get things done outside of class. So the very first thing I have partners do or teams do is sit down and create a schedule together. And it's a, I try to keep the opening activities as low risk as possible, meaning you're nice. still in a classroom setting. You've still got me as your teacher and facilitator there, and you've got everybody else in the classroom working on the same activity, as opposed to telling a kid, okay, here's some stranger that you've never worked with before. Here's some pretty expensive equipment. Now go, go and do it. You know, <laughs> we try to keep the opening ice breaking activities and scheduled creating and the cold calls, you know, because they're having to call people in the community to set up these interviews, try to keep all of these low risk activities in house so that I can help them along with it. Did that answer? Very cool. Okay, good. That, that answered it and it got me everything I wanted to know. And I'm sure the listeners are, are digging it. Yay. Um, with the whole team aspect as well, because I like to stay on this because, you know, I'm a coach and yeah. um, a PE teacher and I really form the teams. You know, what sort of activities do you do to start the year, um, September, October, to really build that team aspect so the kids are more opening to trying to work with new people? Right. Well, so this year was interesting. I teach the juniors and the seniors in the communications center. And okay. um this year, you know, I used to I used to spend at least two to three class periods on name games and ice breaking activities and things like that. Um, it was especially useful when I was working at Richmond Tech Center because I had kids coming to me from all of the Richmond public schools and they didn't know each other at all. So um, I, I needed that time to facilitate at least, you know, a little bit more get to know you activities. This year, mm -hmm. however, was the first time that I didn't do any of that because by the time they are, by the time the juniors are getting to me, they have been together for at least two or three classes for, since they were freshmen. Um, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, because the communication kids are required to be um, in advanced English as well as communications, which is, and communications is a double blocked class. These kids, a lot of times, are in five or six classes together, so they know each other really well. And I had a kid even sarcastically ask me, he said, we need at least a day of um, icebreaking games because I don't know these kids at all. And everybody was like, oh, man, shut up. You do, too. You know us. <laughs> so um, I, I made it a point to tell them, look, you guys know each other, but I don't know you. So for this very first practice video, I am, we're doing it alphabetically. And I definitely, so I broke them up in pairs by how they landed on the alphabet. And it backfired um, in a way that I had a couple of kids who had some beef 
you know, they didn't, oh my gosh, I can't believe my last name starts with a C. I have to be with the person whose last name starts with a B. But I was, I explained to them, you know, this is just practice. This is the very first project. Your job right here is to convince me that you're awesome. You know, go do this video. You never have to work with this person again. So, (laughs) um, you know, so, so it was, it was interesting as a, an old dog, meaning here I was, pretty well into my teaching career, having to reverse things and say, okay, we're not spending days and days on brain, on, on, uh, ice breaking activities and name games. We're just getting right into it, you know? And that was also really cool because I was able to assess their skills and force them a little bit more out of their shell within the first week of class, which was pretty amazing. I had a really Mm -hmm. amazing group of kids this year. So, yeah. yeah, and I, I mean, shout out to that junior class mm-hmm. um, because that was my first year at Verina, and so I had a lot of them as freshmen. Oh, I love seeing them grow and develop, and that's a pretty pretty cool group. They really, um, I really love all of them. They're 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 fun to teach, and then it's even better to keep that relationship going outside the classroom. And yes, just to check in with them, and you know, they're 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 awesome. Yeah, yeah, and that is one of the amazing things. Um, I know that you probably want to get into this later, but one of the most amazing things is when you have the opportunity to build those relationships outside of the classroom, you know, when you get to see them in sports, when you get to see them perform in a concert or in a play, you know, to be able to carry that relationship on outside is pretty awesome too. Well, yeah. And let's just get it. Let's just dive deep into that right now. Um, you, You know, I know for me, being, uh, like I said, a health and PE teacher, admin coach, all these different hats, um, I'm able to see the kids in a lot of different areas. You know, I'll teach a kid and they might act one way in my class and I see them during cafeteria duty. They're completely different. You know, I go to a classroom observation and they're acting way different in this teacher's classroom than in this classroom and just continue to build that relationship and just letting them know you're always there for them. Um, one thing I'll brag about myself, but at the end of the year, I have my kids write a letter to the future student in my class and nine, 98%, 90. I mean, I don't do math very well, but I think 98% of them (laughs) pretty much always mention like Calder builds relationships. Oh, that's great. Like he might not be the best teacher. He might be a pushover. (laughs) We might get away with stuff we shouldn't, but Calder builds the relationships. And so I love that. So, you know, how, how does that work for you? Um, First of all, let me say that uh, for someone who claims to not be good at math, you said that number with such authority. 98% of them say this like, wow, that's a great percentage. Calder. That's great. Um, I add up all the letters, divide, and, you know, every year. Figure out that, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> impressive. Not bad for a PE teacher. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I know you are. So, so about relationships, I uh, had to beg and plead with Mr. Willoughby to be his um, – co-coach for the drama club this year because I wanted to build some more relationships. Um, I have the unique opportunity to have my students for two periods a day, um, which can seem like a lifetime and you do really get to know those kids, but I wanted to know more. Um, So that's why I um, wanted to join the drama club. Um, just to see some more kids and to have a chance to see, you know, a, a student after 355 is not the same person <laughs> as they were when they sat in your first block class. 
So it's mm-hmm. amazing. And I love, love, love dropping by a softball game or dropping by a basketball game. And when the kid notices you or when they hear you yelling their name, um, it's always a, a, a unique boost to see the kid light up when they know that you're there specifically for them. And I think that it's really important that kids know that you are in their corner in more aspects than just the classroom. You know, I support you in getting up on stage. I support you when you're out on the field or out on the court because it's huge for them to understand that we see them as people as well. So yeah, relationships are definitely key. Yeah, I love that. You know, you have the aha moment in class, but when you're you're going to see a kid at the play or, you know, at a musical event or a sport event and they see you, like you said, or they hear your voice and they're like, Oh my gosh, that's Mr. Calder. Oh my gosh, it's Miss McEwitt. That, that moment is, it is, it is amazing. And I was, and I'm always happy to do it and I'm still kicking myself. I didn't make it to the last scrimmage. um, The last softball scrimmage. I was so tired and cranky after play rehearsal. And I was thinking, man, I don't think that I can, (laughs) hold out here on campus for another hour before before the softball scrimmage even starts and then it's another three hours before I get home no it'll be okay you know they'll 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 they're doing another scrimmage next week and then it's still just the beginning of the season I am still kicking myself for not going to that first softball scrimmage because of course they won and of course all my girls did awesome and I didn't see any of it it's so sad to me ah yeah, and especially how the season ended too. You know, you, you didn't get that. Next I know. Chance, but, you know, there's always next year. You know, for those juniors that you. Yes, teach. that's what I keep telling myself. There's always next year. Yeah. So real quick, what what have you been up to since you know we've had this COVID quarantine, right. stay at home, you know, no interactions, very little interactions. What have you been up to? So I have mastered some jigsaw puzzles, which is. <laughs> about as excitingly dull as it sounds. Um, Jigsaw puzzles were kind of an integral part uh, of our family vacations because it was always a great way for us to, this is gonna sound bad. Um, It was a great way for us to spend time with each other and not really have to talk. So we we would do- (laughs) I'm with you. So we would do some jigsaw puzzles on family vacations and I've recently rediscovered how, how fun it is to just be able to, to kill a couple of hours without, you know, with it, without really having to think about anything. So it's been a pretty good distraction. Um, my husband and I live on uh, across the street from some river access, the ja- access to the James River Parks. So we go walking nice. a lot. We've been bike riding a lot um, just to I think I would probably definitely be a lot more stir crazy if I didn't have outdoor access um because i that's that's really key for me to feel calm and better about everything is the chance to get outside and 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 even on a it's pretty gloomy and rainy outside right now and i'm excited about that because that means nobody will be on the trails today so i can strap on some rain gear and 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 go see the river and not have to worry about crowds today so um, so being outside, some jigsaw puzzles, we started a whole bunch of seeds. We've got a couple of plots going for a garden. Um, so Mr. Calder, I hope you like tomatoes and squash because I'm about to have a million of them. <laughs> so, yeah, send them my way. I'll come over and pick from six feet awesome, apart. I'll just, right? You know, we'll be a distance. We'll have a socially distanced um, garden bonanza. We plan. 
We planted all this stuff for some pretty tasty salsa. I've got some cilantro and some peppers. And I'm I'm trying to come up with a better name for it than pandemic salsa because that doesn't sound very tasty. (laughs) But my goal is to grow all the fixins for some delicious salsa and then can it. So check back to me in a a couple of months because I'm sure, I don't know, maybe this project might backfire horribly on me. But in the meantime, my goal is to grow I'm sure that I'm sure there's no bad recipe. I, I've never had a salsa right. that I didn't like. So I will I will definitely give it a try. And if it brings the heat or it's mild, doesn't matter with a good awesome. chip, any salsa awesome. works for me. So what about you? What have you been so, doing? I know this is supposed to be my interview, but yeah. I'm curious. What have you been up to? Yeah, so you mentioned puzzles. Um, my wife and I have not started one yet. But we keep talking about it. And with this gloomy day, I think we're going to get a chance to do that. Um, But we've been doing a lot of yard work. So um, we have a lot of trees in the backyard. We've been cutting some limbs down. We had like this, I don't even know how to describe it, like this concrete fence. So like the fence was chicken wire. And then underneath it was like a foot to a foot and a half of concrete for the entire uh, backyard. Uh And so we dug that entire thing up just so now we only have our neighbor's fence. We don't have like this chicken wire. Oh, mess. wow. Um, and then yesterday we had some bricks left over from a patio we did last year. And we dug up some dirt around our AC unit and put the bricks in to hopefully limit grass going in the AC unit um, and messing that up. So just kind of laying down a lot of stuff. And, you know, we have this huge checklist on our phone. That's phones. great. And every day, a little, a little green check mark. Oh, goes that's next awesome! To it. That's so, uh, yeah. I'm a yes. I'm a huge fan of lists. I'll even put stuff on my to do list that I've already done, just so I have the satisfaction. Just across <laughs> of crossing it off, because it it makes you feel good that little green check marker, just to know, yay, I did something today. Because honestly, without the routine of me going to work every day, I'm kind of like, do I need? Can I just be in sweatpants? No, no. I'll graduate from sweatpants to my going outside yoga pants. That's about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah all the teacher clothes are getting exactly. no love right my t- my coffee to go cups and my my fancy work clothes are just sitting there gathering dust. Collecting yeah. dust. <laughs> <laughs> so um any shout outs you want to give to um the people out there at Rhina, students, faculty, a certain group of kids who do you know, take it away. Give some, give some, give some love to the people um, awesome. that you love. Um, so I love, of course, my team of teachers at the center. Big shout out to Heidi Craft for keeping us all together and keeping all of it down. Um, every morning when I walk in, me and Mr. GS, Mr. Goodrich Stewart, are always the early birds. So I love walking past his classroom and just yelling, "Hey, GS!" And he's always like, "Hey!" And then. He never knew it, but I was always racing in the morning against Willoughby and Fenson, and they don't know that we're racing, but I just want to say that I usually win that race because I usually try to get there before they do. Um, it's always fun trying to, to win an imaginary race. Uh, big yeah. shout out to the class of 2020, all of my seniors. Oh, my gosh. I absolutely poured my heart out into an email to everybody. Um, so we don't need to say anything beyond that super touching email other than I love you. And I always knew that the class of 2020 was going to go out with a bang, but geez, you guys kind of 
mold, didn't you? <laughs> um, big shout out to all of my drama kids because I know, I know. And this was supposed to be our week, Calder. We were supposed to be live Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of this year. I was I was pumped to come see it because you had staff members. No, I know. And okay, so another big shout out to Kat for taking to that role. His role in the play was as the vice principal who had emotional mm-hmm. issues, <laughs> and he <laughs> he was great. He was always so much fun. Kat was always so much fun in rehearsals, and the kids loved having him there. Um, and it was just a lot of fun too to see these kids grow from kind of timid to these wonderful singers so big shout out to my drama kids my seniors my juniors who we've talked about but are so wonderful and I miss you guys so much so so much oh and you know what somebody else I was thinking of the other day big shout out to Terry who cleans the who cleans building nine I know our custodial staff has been working overtime throughout this whole thing and I really 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 appreciate them because I don't think anybody's going to feel safe about going to school until you know that it's a clean safe space so big shout out to Terry Mm -hmm. and all of our custodians so yeah well that was that was a good list that was impressive (laughs) I can (laughs) (laughs) well I want to thank I want to thank you for being on Staffly yes. Spilling the Tea. Thank uh, you today. so much for organizing all of this and putting this all together. I appreciate it. What's going on, Education Nation? This is Corey Calder, and we have another special one for you today. It is my pleasure to introduce to you the Center for Communications and Media Relations, Ms. Heidi Kraft. Hello. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm excited to be a part of this today. Well, I appreciate it. I know the listeners are going to want to, you know, hear what you got to say because you um, are in charge of a pretty substantial program at Verina High School. It is definitely an awesome program to be a part of. So I'm going to share my experiences and what other good stuff comes up today. Perfect. So if you can kind of give us a background into how you got into education and then sort of how you ended up at Verina. Sure. I am. Um, so it's kind of a yeah, you know, that kind of cheesy story of I wanted to be that teacher to make a difference. Yeah. So when I was in 11th grade, I had this English teacher. My her name was Miss um, Holdren. She was also the Lit Mag uh, chairperson, and I became a part of the literary magazine as part of my um, my school. I went to Hermitage High School, and I fell in love with journalism because of the Lit Mag and all the things that were involved in it. Um, got involved with yearbook my senior year at Hermitage. And knew that I wanted to somehow combine the two, English and journalism. So went to college. I went to Longwood and had a, uh, my degree was in English and then secondary education and a minor in journalism as well as technical and professional writing wow. um, with, with secondary education certification. So all that kind of combined together. And I graduated. I'm like, what the heck am I going to do with this degree? How am I going to? Um, and actually, in the middle of my career or my my college experience, I decided that I needed to do student teaching somewhere other than in Virginia. So I did my student teaching in England at Darby High School for Girls. It was an independent school, one of the top 15 um, private schools in the country in England. Wow. Um, it was incredible. And so I'm like, here I am, you know, studying Shakespeare. And I was able to go to his birthplace. And I was able to see just so many interesting and amazing things and really to get 
um, a different side of English because of the, you know, the Brit lit and the Brit English um, that's used. And um, here I was an American teaching British students about British English. And they were, anyway, it was just, it was quite interesting. Um, so I fell in love with teaching and I fell in love with teaching specifically high school kids. I really, I really enjoyed the experience with high school. Um, and while I was doing my student teaching, I taught middle school and high school. And, but the high school kids were really where I connected the most. Um, and probably because they were the most challenging students. Um, mm -hmm. They were just, um, they really, they, they did not give me an easy time. Um, here I was, this American coming in. And it was exciting because they were excited to meet me because I was American. But they thought that I was going to be pretty easy on them. And I was not. <laughs> and so, you know, so some of that kind of give and take, I had to learn how to work student relationships and I had to learn very early, you know, at a, I mean, I was 21, you know, teaching kids who were just a couple of years younger than me. Um, and I really had to learn how to balance that. Um, so I came back from, and I, yeah, I think I did it pretty well, you know, balancing that and uh, teacher relationships, like working with my mentors in the school system um, and also working with like the headmaster and then the parents too. Um, but I came back to, um, came back to the States and got engaged. And my, um, my husband, David, and I moved to North Carolina and we got married in August and school systems in um, North Carolina start in August. So I didn't start teaching right away. In fact, I did a couple of other things and I ended up becoming a career switcher. So long story short, I kind of jumped into the world of communications. And when we moved back to Virginia, um, I worked at UCROPS and I was the education and training coordinator Sorry for all of UCROPS. And I trained Ooh. every new associate who came in to UCROPS. I did all that training for them and helped to write the curriculum for it. And I also was in charge of all the internal communications at, at UCROPS. So I really got to use my English degree within my communications degree and doing teaching. But I'm sitting there, you know, one day I was in the middle of teaching and teaching these new hires. And I'm like, why am I not? I could tell that I had captured an audience. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, it's like this realization kind of washed over me. Like, why am I not doing this? Why am I not doing this as a career? Why am I not teaching instead of working in, in, a, in a private business? Why am I not teaching? Um, so I decided to, to pursue my actual, you know, my field that I had really planned yep. to, to pursue. Um, so it was good because I was able to come in as a career switcher and share experience that I had. You know, so, of course, I had my student teaching experience and had my teaching degree. Uh, but then was able to share my experience working in you know, the public with the public and also training people to say, this is what you really need to know in the world of human resources, writing, you know, what good writing looks like and why it matters when you're applying for a job. Uh, and that's when I started working at Atlee and I was at Atlee for 15 years and I taught English at Atlee, AP English, um, 11th grade English honors. Um, some collaborative English along the way. And then I also did the yearbook for the 15 years that I was there. I did newspaper for 12 of the 15 years that I was there. So I am sorry, this is a long explanation as to how I got where I am. But no, I love it. When you've, been when you've been teaching for 18 years, you know, it's kind of a long roundabout way to get there sometimes. But yeah. Um, so I was working at Atlee and I really had reached the top of my game. Our newspaper was receiving really strong rewards and strong critiques in the, um, in the state, our yearbook was a nationally received, a nationally recognized, renowned yearbook in the country. Um, we were one of the top 50 yearbooks in the country by the time that I left. Um, so, I mean, people, it was, it was fun because I got to go to journalism conferences and people knew who I, you know, who I was, mm -hmm. even though I never had met them before. 
Um, so that was exciting, but I, you know, I needed, I was ready for something else and I was ready to, um, I don't know, just ready to make a difference in a, in a different way. Um, my daughter graduated in 2017 from Atlee and that was the year that I left, um, and joined Verina. And when I, I came on as the director of the center for communications at Verina, my whole life had turned upside down. Um, and I can talk about that in a little bit, but, um, my, everything about my life had changed at that point. And, um, coming into a, a program that I knew was well-established because of Bev Lanier, the former director, I knew that she had a pretty solid program, but I was excited to see what difference I could make. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gave me a chance to work kind of as a, I'm not necessarily, I'm not an administrator, but I kind of am in some, some respects because I helped to set curriculum and I'm the department leader. Um, I have input on student discipline, but I also have input on um, students' curriculum, like their, um, their class choices that they make. It's just so, it's really, it was the next step in my career. Um, and so I still get a chance to work with students because I'm still teaching, but then I also get to work with teachers and teacher leaders and teacher development too, um, and development of my program that has an impact throughout the county. So, and so anyway, so I've been at Verona for three years. Very cool. Yeah. And I, I know, like, I didn't know the program before you, uh, because we came in the same year, right? but just seeing like all the neat stuff that you've done with the program where like you're videotaped. Uh, or live, live recorded, live stream sporting events and have the kids like talking on it. And to see like my students who I taught doing that has been like remarkable. It's been so much fun too. The kids doing the live stream and to see them, I mean, of course they've been taught how to do this. You know, they, they get to have um, that opportunity in the classroom where they go and, you know, they get to go out into the community and interview people, but never in a live situation, you know? So now you really get to see, you know, do they have what it takes you know, when they, when they're live, they've got to learn how to, quickly spin the story, quickly, you know, tell like what's the next event that's going to happen. They have to have sports knowledge. They have to have knowledge of the players. So it's really been quite amazing to see how all that's come together. Um, and our live morning announcements. My first year at Verida, I was like, wait a minute, the announcements aren't run by the Center for Communications? That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so we did the first year, we did pre-recorded announcements that were shown. Um, I think it was at the start of, I don't, it's kind of changed now. So I forget how the schedule works, but there was that five minute block where announcements were shown um, mm-hmm. and it, it didn't work very well because, you know, teachers weren't tuning in. It wasn't really a good time for that to happen. Um, so my second year is when we did the live morning announcements and we stream it um, through YouTube um, through a, a system called, um, well, there's a, a, an OSB system, I believe is how it's the phrasing for it, but, or the title of it. Um, but to have those kids, they run the entire studio. The students do all of that work. Um, just like with the live stream, the students do all that work. We sit back and watch and, you know, we direct as we go and teach them as we go. But to see how that, how that part of the program has, gr- has grown from where it was in just three years has been very exciting. So, and it's exciting to see these kids, you know, really step outside of their comfort zones too. Well, yeah. And I, I love the live stream announcements too, because this is the first year I've taught a first block. And so to be able to tune that on and see the kids and, you know, they're mostly sophomores, I believe. Yeah, so they're yeah, like, they are. they're <laughs> kids that I might've taught. Yeah. Um, it's neat to see them in that element. And then like, there's two of them that like two boys that rocked it recently. And I called both their parents and I was like, I just want y'all to know that these two are rocking it in the morning. And it, it just makes the start of first block. So like fun. It does. It does. When it's hard because, there's some kids who don't really want to be talent. They would much rather be behind the camera. And there's mm-hmm. some who've gone on camera and they realize, hey, I'm actually really good at this. 
And then there are others who realize, know that they're better behind the camera and they're better as a director. And that's okay too, because if you don't have a solid director, then you don't have anything. So it's, you know, all those pieces and components work together. The team aspect of it is what makes the show so good. Um, what's disappointing is that we don't have the fourth quarter because kids were going to be able to choose the position that they were going to do. So they could have been talent for a long time. You know, they could have really started to hone those skills. Um, yeah. But as sophomores, what a great opportunity they've been able to have to do this. You know, how many other people can say, oh, they're on live TV, you know, every day. So. Well, and, and another thing that I love, and I also love it because a kid made one about me, but, you know, <laughs> we have the heart of Henrico for one person for every school who's like the heart of that school. And, and you and your program and your kids make videos about teachers yeah, and then you show them on the announcements. Was that, whose idea was that? Can you tell us a little more? Spill the tea on like that sort of <laughs> Sure. Project? We, last year when Heart of Henrico started, I'm like, well, why aren't we doing Heart of Verina? We need to do something to highlight these teachers. So our sophomores did that program too. It was their first kind of foyer into the um, trying to figure out what it's like to interview a teacher and have a camera set up and do um, interviewing and have to, you know, put the lavalier mic on teachers and pre-write their questions and figure out, you know, lighting and setting and teacher availability and all that. And then, and then to get the B-roll of teachers doing what they do. Um, yeah. so it was the first really chance for these sophomores to do something outside of what they had done as freshmen. Um, so, and really to step up that independence in them. Um, and some made it on air and some didn't. Um, some were stronger than others and others had pieces that they needed to go back and work on and, and fix. And that's, you know, and that what teaching is, is you know, to go back and constantly review and uh, rework and relearn. Um, so it was a great success we felt last year. So we decided to continue that into this year. Um, and then we also did some student spotlights. It kind of spun from there to do quick little student spotlights for kids who mm -hmm. had been nominated by teachers for doing outstanding work for, you know, for a variety of reasons. Um, we, we had started just to show those kids the student spotlight, Verina student spotlight students, um, which was kind of born from that whole heart of Verina. Well, and, and I mean, I, I enjoyed it because, you know, they came and watched me teach. They, you know, I, I do a little admin work. So they saw some of the admin stuff I was doing. And I was like, oh, cool, I'll get to see this one day. I'm pumped. And then I just kind of forgot about it. And then when I was watching the announcements one, one morning, I pop up and I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> look at that video. Yeah. And it was it was so well made and it, just the transitions were great. It was for like a sophomore to be doing something like that. I, I was blown away. Well, and it's exciting to see these sophomores who not, so not only did they have to go out and write their questions and come up with the questions and get those approved um, well, and their person approved, but then go out to do the interview, get the B-roll footage. I mean, all this is done in just a couple of days. Then they come back yeah. into the classroom. They come back into the video lab or into the um, editing lab and then they edit all of that together and decide what do they keep? What do they trash? What is it that looks good? Maybe they forgot to mic the person up and what the heck did they do then? You know, or <laughs> maybe they don't have B-roll that necessarily matches um, what they had asked so that B-roll doesn't get used? Or how do they put the right music in? Like, how do they set the mood? How do they create that title slide um, to kind of introduce the whole thing? So it's it's a really interesting project to see because the kids learn so many of the different aspects. And then you get to see, you know, who are those kids who this editing process comes naturally to? Some of them, they just pick it up right away and they roll with it. Uh, and then there are others who struggle a little bit more, but those kids who are the really strong editors, 
naturally become those student leaders and lean over to the kids sitting beside them and say, hey, think about that. Or maybe try this instead. Or the kid will say, I'm not real sure how to do this, Ms. Craft or Mr. Buyer. I don't know how to do this. Can you come help me? But the person sitting next to them says, hey, no, I got you. I can take care of that for you. I can show you how to do that. So there's that student learning, you know, the collaborative piece that starts to happen too, which is so, it's so enriching um, for them. It helps to just enrich the whole lesson. Well, I had, I had Miss McEwitt on recently and she talked about just the whole team aspect and family feel of the center and all the center kids. And um, do you want to touch on that? Like how, how do you get, cause she says she teaches the older group. And so they've already kind of had that team aspect. What do you do there like freshmen and sophomore year to like really hone in on that team vibe, making sure they know exactly what's going on, who's got what role, stuff like that. When they come in as freshmen, one of the biggest challenges that I think any center faces is how do you make kids from all over the county feel welcome at a brand new school? And we have, we do, we have kids from all over the county coming from so many different middle schools. They're not just East End kids. They're not just West End kids. It's a combination of kids coming together. So you do Mm -hmm. have kids coming from like Elko or John Roth who've been together for several years, but then you have other kids who are coming from um, like Pocahontas middle and there might be only one kid coming from Pocahontas and maybe two or three kids coming from like Hungry Creek and Brooklyn. How do you mix those kids in together? So they begin to feel like a family and they don't feel like they're ostracized. One of the ways that that has helped is having them together as freshmen. They're in a freshman English class together. Um, and they, they start to travel together through classes because of how their classes are structured. Um, so that, you know, you, you might be in communications with somebody, but you might also be in math and Spanish with them too. Um, so that helps mm-hmm. create a start, you know, they start to feel that camaraderie because they're in other classes together. Um, one of the things I also try to do is to meet with the kids early on and pull the, like the West End kids together and pull them together to say, okay, what struggles are you having? Who can we connect you with who might be older who is also a West End kid, you know, to help you feel comfortable. And the bus, the West End bus, those kids talk about how much they love riding the bus because they spend time together on the bus and they talk about how they've become a family. And it's not just by grade level. It's by, you know, I mean, it's all of them together. It's two, nine through 12 who are together. And so those kids mm-hmm. start to form relationships. And then that just spreads it, you know, into the ninth grade, 10th grade classes and on. Um, and then by the time that they get to 10th grade, Mr. Willoughby and I teach collaboratively. So every morning we start class together and we do similar units. We teach, you know, he takes turns, you know, teaching some things and I teach certain other items. Um, so we don't, we don't really divide our classes a whole lot. Or if we do, we don't divide them by like, oh, these are his kids and these are my kids. We divide them by, okay, I'm doing this unit and these kids are going here and I, I'm going to, he's going to teach that unit. I'm going to teach this unit. Mr. Byer is going to teach that unit. We all kind of divide them up. So they're, they're together as a family um, at that point. And for sure, they squabble and they um, have dis- disagreements and other things. But we work through those things, those issues that, they, that might come up. We work through those together as a class or, and as individuals um, or as small groups. We address that so it doesn't become an issue. Um, we talk about, you know, that integrity of, of kindness. You know, how can you show somebody that you're a person of integrity, but you don't treat them with kindness? So how do you, how do you mm-hmm. teach that um, in trying to help them to see that, you know, you're all in this together. You may not necessarily be best friends with the person that you're on the show with, but you got to work together. You know, that's, that's real world that you've got to, you've got to be able to work together. 
So, and it just naturally, no. it just naturally falls to where they, they just act, you know, they just become a family. Yeah, I, I love it. And it's cool, like, teaching some of them, like, their 10th grade year. And, you know, they come into a classroom and, you know, sometimes they want to work with each other on projects. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, 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 we're separating you. You know, but they, they, they already have that team aspect. So they can almost help other students develop. And they're very inviting into, hey, come join our group, you know, because they already have that team vibe going. Um, what are, like, one or two things you would recommend – for a teacher or a leader um, on campus to do next year to help them be the best educator or staffity member uh, possible? Like what are one or two things you do well that you would recommend? for them? I am. Um, I'm all about relationships. That, I mean, that's, that is, that's always been my mantra that I feel like if you can create a relationship with a student, then you're going to have a strong working relationship with the student in class. Um, as well as outside of class. And I think that that, and what I mean by outside of class, is just, you know, are those students going to do your work that's required? Can they do it independently? Can they do that? Um, and you can trust that they're going to get the work done. Um, so developing relationships with kids is something that I've always, that I've always thought is extremely important. Um, there's a, oh gosh, I can't think of what her name is. Um, shoot, there was an educator who did a TED Talk. And one of the things that she talks about is, that kids don't learn from teachers who they don't like. And I'm not trying to be a mm-hmm. best friend. Absolutely not. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about hanging out with them. You know, I'm, that's not what I mean. I mean, holding the students accountable, but letting them know that they're loved and letting them know that you are in their corner to help them through whatever it is that they're going through. And a lot of them, a lot of students, it doesn't matter where you teach. It doesn't matter what part of the country. It doesn't matter what part of the county. It doesn't matter where you teach. All kids have needs. And all kids want to be loved. And I think showing compassion to students and then also letting them know that you are human too, that you're not perfect. There are definitely times that I have taught a lesson and it is bombed. And I will come back and say the next day, y'all, that was terrible. Let's do this again. You know, and it doesn't happen often, Uh but it's enough to show that, hey, you know, I'm able to be reflective too. And I'm able to be honest with you and say, this didn't go as well. Or if they've all taken, you know, if they all took, if they all did an essay and they didn't do well on their essay, well, what's happened? You know, how can I be reflective of my teaching too, to be able to help these students to learn? So it's not just mm-hmm. that there's that portion of it. So you know, establishing relationships, but also being able to be reflective in your own practice. I think that that's crucial because as teachers, we have great autonomy. You know, we are, we're often able to teach what we want and, and I love yeah. that. I love having that freedom. Of course, meeting the curriculum guidelines. But how is it then when you are teaching something and your students are struggling, where is it that you need to adapt and change? Like what, you know, going back and looking at what you're teaching and how you're teaching it, what skills specifically are they struggling with? And how can you help to continue to teach that skill for those who don't grasp it? Yeah. And what, one thing I can add on to that is, you know, going back and being reflective and just letting them know you made a mistake or whatnot, huge. Sometimes I'll even tell the kids, like, if I'm doing a new team building activity or a new game, I'm like, all right, listen, I've never done this before. We're going to try this out. And sometimes their ears like yeah. truck up a little bit and they're like, okay, something new. I can right. get behind this calder. Oh, it's, it's fun to like, just be transparent and open with them when it comes to teaching because, 
you're putting yourself out there. And I think yes, they I like agree. That. And I think all that comes back to then they have respect for you because you, you are transparent. You for are sure. honest with what's going on and they're willing to, to trust you because you're willing to say, Hey, you know, this didn't work out the way I thought, or, Hey, give me your opinion. How do you think this went? You know, what could I have done differently or better? You know, we give that to the students all the time, but how often do we ask them for their opinion? And I think that matters. And I think that's one of the reasons why the center is growing the way that it is, is because we have taken time to ask them, what did they want to see? What did they want to learn? What are they not grasping or what is it that they, so if they are, um, if they've just done a video unit, well, what could they have done better? But what could we as the teacher have also done better? So that whole, you know, letting them be reflective, but also letting us be reflective at the same time and listening to what they have to say and then giving them some voice and choice, I think is absolutely important. I completely agree. Um, so are there any like shout outs you want to give to uh, your center, the class of 2020, um, anybody at Verina or whatnot, just like any shout outs you want to give? The well, of course, my team, the Center for Communications team, they're an incredible team, and I'm thankful every day that I'm able to work with them. The English department is an amazing, incredible department uh, full of educators who are top notch. I will also say, though, I have to say a huge shout out to my class of seniors. I'm so disappointed that things have ended the way that they have. You know, I just I hate that. Um, you know, normally this time of year, we're gearing up to do the our center showcase. There's a lot that's in question as to whether we're even going to have a showcase. And I just hate that we're not able right now to showcase the work that these kids have done because four years of work in the Center for Communications is a lot. You know, they've done some incredible pieces. So I'm, I'm sad, mm -hmm. but we're whatever the case is, we are going to somehow celebrate those kids, those seniors. Um, the seniors have been, um, and I told them this, actually, I'm thankful that I did, that um, one of the last days that we were together before school, before we had our break, um, I just talked to them about how important this class had been to me. When I joined Verina, my, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, my whole life had turned upside down. Um, my husband, David, had died tragically. Suddenly, uh, without warning, he had um, a pulmonary embolism and died in July before I started my job in August. And my daughter, Hannah, was a college freshman who started school that same August. So I went very quickly from having a, a house you know, with a husband and a daughter who were at home to being just me. And it was a very difficult transition. And I left one community and joined another community. And it was, it was yeah. really difficult. But these seniors wow. loved on me. And just, I mean, there were days that they just, they could come into class and say, Miss Craft, are you okay? And I could say to them, honestly, no, I'm not having a good day. And they would, I mean, just the way that they loved me was incredible. And I, that is something I will never forget. I told them that day, um, right before March 13th, right before everything ended, I told them that it was because of them that I got up each day and came to work because of that class specifically Aww. and what they meant to me. Because I knew that if I was having a bad day, that they could recognize that and it didn't matter. They still loved me no matter what. And that they were the ones who helped to pick me up. So when I was having a bad day, just by them saying, hey, you know, we love you. We're here for you. I mean, for those, I mean, these are, they were 15, 16 years old at that point and loving on me like that. Yeah. That, that has made such a difference in my career at Verina. And so when I talk about student relationships, I can't help but think about the class of 2020 because those kids invested in me just as much as I invested in them. And I will never forget that. That, that will be something that I carry with me all of my life.
Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. They're incredible kids. They're, they have such bright futures. I'm so excited to see. And they're going through the things that they're choosing to do. I mean, some of them are going into communications. Others are choosing to go to school to be a doctor. There's a couple of them who are going to school to be a nurse. So what noble professions that they're choosing to do, but their start has come from the Center for Communications. And for that, I will always be proud. Well, that's that's a, that's a, that's a really nice shout out. I mean, the English department and the class of 2020 center kids, because I've had some of them. I had them my you know 10th grade year, that well, their mm-hmm. 10th grade year when I was teaching, and they are some pretty remarkable kids. So um, huge shout outs to them. And, you know, it's, it's not going to end the way they want it to end, but they'll look back at it and they got through it together as a family. And, you know, that's absolutely that's some pretty cool stuff. What's going on, all you T listeners? Like I said, this is Corey Calder, and today we have a special guest for you. We have Mr. Willoughby. You want to say anything, Mr. Willoughby? Uh, how's it going? Aaron Willoughby here. Uh, hope everybody's doing safe and uh, being healthy out there. Um, yeah, I'm glad you're doing this with Corey. Well, I appreciate it. Hey, so the audience members and podcast listeners and tea drinkers out there who don't know you, can you give them a little background as to who you are, um, how you got into education, and how you ended up at Verina? Yeah, sure, sure. It's a uh, it's a fun tale. Um, so I'm at, originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I went to uh, undergraduate to be a theater and high school teacher. Um, after I uh, finished my work in Pennsylvania, I decided to go travel abroad. I lived in Japan for a year where I taught English, did some theater, did a lot of traveling. Uh, after that, I, was, I told myself only for a year. So then I came back uh, and then I got a job in Farmville teaching um, their newspaper, theater, and public speaking class. So that was kind of cool. Uh, I was in Farmville for about two years, uh, and then I decided I want to go get to my master's, and that's when I enrolled in VCU, and they had a theater pedagogy MFA program that I completed in about two years, which was great. It's where I met my wife here in Richmond. And um, after that, I got my first uh, theater teaching job for a university. It was in Indiana, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So my wife wow. and I traveled to the University of St. Francis, which is a Catholic university in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I was the uh, the head and the only person of the theater department, so I began the program, and I was there for about five years, and then we decided to come back to Richmond because uh, he, she missed her family, and we, we liked Fort Wayne okay, but we were ready to come back to Richmond and uh, found the job teaching at uh, the, the specialty center here, and this is my fourth year there, so excited for five and, and more to come. So that's kind of my roundabout career way, how I got to uh, Verina. That is a long journey. <laughs> yeah. Different con- different continents, different states. Yeah. Yeah. Where was your uh, most favorited travel place when you were in, um, when you're in Japan? Uh, well, um, I still can vividly remember my friends and I, there was like three of us that we, we met uh, when we were over there. I didn't know them before. Um, so we, we were working with this company and uh, we decided to just, we had a weekend. It's like, you know what? Let's climb Mount Fuji. So we didn't look up any travel guides. We just said, let's go. So we jumped on a train. Oh my God. Got there at about eight at night because we heard that it's supposed to be really good if you get there, um, you know, see the sunrise in the morning at like five. So we're like, okay, we're going to walk all night and we're going to make it up there. Uh, we did not plan very well. We did not have flashlights. We ended up using our cell phone lights to guide us around. 
Um, we made it to the top, but later on we found out that the the woods and the hills of Mount Fuji are supposed to be one of the most haunted in the world because so many people commit suicide there. But we didn't know that at the time. We didn't notice anything. Um, we climbed up all the way there. Uh, we made it and saw the sunrise as Mount Fuji, as the sun rose. And it's still, uh, I still remember that image of just seeing the sun climb up. We were exhausted, um, but we, uh, that was a pretty cool experience. <laughs> that is really neat. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's spill the tea as to what you do in the classroom that makes you so successful. So if you want to kind of explain maybe what you teach and then like sure. different uh, arts that you use to teach your kids. Uh, so I, right now I'm teaching mainly three different classes. I have a communications class, an English class, and a theater class. Uh, in those three, I know in my communication class, I partner a lot with uh, Heidi Kraft, who's our uh, program director. I also work with other individuals in the communication center, but we do a lot of uh, group projects. Uh, I I'm usually in, in charge of their public speaking skills, so I try to help them when they do presentations and work on poise and using articulation and their body correctly. Um, so that's kind of my, my area of expertise when we do those. Um, in English class, I like to teach uh, American history. I mean, not history, American English. Uh, so we do a lot of uh, literature that can be found in uh, some some Europeans, but mainly American. Um, like for instance, right now we're doing romantic, and we're looking at like Walt, like Walt Whitman, and we're looking at Henry David Thoreau and Walden, and a lot of like classic American literature. Um, but we also do like The Crucible, and I try to finish up with Gatsby. Um, but you know, we this year we get there, not this year. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> in my theater class, I try to have a, a different, like, like focus each marking period. Since we have four, I focus on um, the first marking period is always just about having fun and exploring theater because a lot of students don't, you know, know much about theater. They signed up for the class because they needed something to fill. Um, so we do a lot of group games. We have fun. Uh, we do improv. Uh, we do a monologue and things like that. That's usually marking period one uh we get to number number two we do theater history which is i think really cool to see we do global theater history uh, marking period three we do stagecraft whereas we're looking at designing and building sets doing makeup doing fighting i'm uh, not makeup fighting but doing uh, costumes and makeup and then the fifth marking period we do like stage combat voice and speech and then we try to put a little show on together um i i have a background in stage combat too so we we always like you know, beating up on people. So we, we have a lot of fun doing that too. Um, oh, I'm sure they love that. Yeah. They, they like when we do our slaps and our hits and they also like when we do makeup cause they like to go home and be like, look, I got a black eye. Ugh. So they, <laughs> they <enjoy> that too. <laughs> Neat. So what, what games, theater games do these kids enjoy? Cause when I was in high school and I was in drama freeze frame was yeah. my all time favorite. Yeah. That's but what, what do kids these days like? Um, a lot of kids nowadays, they really love the, uh, they still like the improv games. Like they love getting, they surprisingly get kind of nasty when it comes to their freeze frames. They do a lot of like domestic violence issues whenever they do freeze. Cause it's like, Oh, easy there boys and girls, but that's, that's where they go. And sometimes improv takes us that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I know I also like a game called taxi cab where different characters come on and like, there's four people on like uh, on the stage. And one new person comes in and they have to be a new character. So that can be, you know, someone that's a, a valley girl or a nerd. And then everyone in the car takes on that personality. So everybody kind of gets to act 
kind of crazy for a little bit. And then a new person comes in and a new character gets formed. So that's that's a fun game that I think they seem to like. Um, another one they like is called Assassin, where um, it's kind of a – there's lots of variations for it. People have played it like Mafia and things like that. I call it Assassin, whereas you know, someone's the, the killer and they're trying to either shake hands or wink and to kill the, the rest of the class by doing stealthily. And they, they like playing Assassin too, so – yeah, I, I, we've done assassins at my summer camp, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'll even do that as like a get to know you activity. Yeah, you know, during the first couple of weeks of school, that's cool. Yeah, those those like icebreakers are always fun to do, and we do a lot of those in theater just to and just the beginning because we work with each other so much. We need to get to know everybody's strengths and weaknesses, and yeah, it's a fun way to do it. When I, and I popped in one of your classes once, like looking for a student to do. Um, I believe it was a referral for and. Uh-huh. I saw you had like I guess your older theater students leading or directing the younger ones. Can you talk about like whatever that activity was? Sure. Yeah. So this is the first year that I actually had two theater two students that I taught for a while. So I was really comfortable with them and their their skills. And they actually worked together. They they both found a one act they were going to to direct, uh, and they cast it with the sh- the actors. So the they found a monologue for them to, to practice for their auditions. They they had a casting, so they actually had the students audition for them. They cast it, and then they were starting to direct their piece when all this stuff happened. So it was the first time I was trying to give them a lot of um, a lot of ownership to what they were doing, and I think the students really responded well because um, they they weren't hearing it from me; they were hearing it from their fellow classmates as far as like learning lines and doing their blocking. So I think that was a really I'd like to do that again. I just need to make sure we have strong students in our theater two class, which luckily I did this year, but yeah. Yeah, that was cool. And what I really liked is um, I forget when the fall, the fall play, but the earlier play was in the year and seeing like the leads in that play or the ones directing the other students. It was cool to see them in that directing role after seeing them in their acting role. Yep. Yeah. That's why I felt comfortable for them to be able to direct because they have the theater chops on stage. So now they can, you know, what is it like to try to direct something? It's it's harder than it looks. So I just wanted to give them that experience. Very cool. That's awesome. So um, let's steer away from the classroom. And what are you doing now during this, you know, COVID time um, <laughs> to connect with your students? Or what are you doing at home as a hobby? Like what's sure. kind of going on with Aaron Willoughby and the family? Uh, well, um, my wife, is she's also a teacher as well. So we've been doing kind of on and off as far as uh, she works with my son. I have a a six-year-old who also is doing at home school too. So we, we trade off on days when working with him, he's got assignments to do. Um, we go in every Friday, we film videos for her students cause she teaches pre kindergarten kids. So they, they like to see Mrs. Willoughby on the, on the screen. So we make fun little videos for her kids every week. Um, as far as what we do at home, um, I I'm trying to do more running and get back into, um, just staying physically fit. Uh, I've had two PRs over this break, so I'm really moving pretty well. I've done a couple 10Ks. Um, I have some competitions with people on my iPhone, I mean, on my iWatch, so I'm trying to get at it. Um, but I also like to cook and bake. I've been trying to take my hand at some more, you know, some breads. I made my first, like, starter sourdough a couple of days ago, and now I'm baking up, you know, a tart this today. And, um, you know, I, I like to cook. It's kind of a fun activity to kind of spend the time. Um, we've been, I also play video games. I've just been finishing this game called Doom Eternal. I've been working on that for a couple of weeks and, um, 
my son's getting back into Mario, so I pulled out my I have a cute little Super Nintendo Classic, which got about like twenty Super Nintendo games. Oh, nice! We're working through um, like Yoshi's Island and Super Mario World, so he's been getting exposed to video games too. So that's that's some of the stuff we've been up to. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I might have to add you on the Apple Watch because I've been using mine and trying to get fit, and the people that I try to have competitions with aren't either not wearing their watch or they're not being active oh. and they won't even accept challenges. So oh, yeah. I might have to add you. Oh yeah. Heidi and I have some pretty epic combos. Like, like we finished last week and I think we both had almost 500, like 500 points each day. So we are we're getting up there and moving around. Oh yeah. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to add and join the fun. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, so what else, um, you said you enjoy baking. Have you watched Great British Bake Off? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, uh, my wife and I have seen all of those. We're actually right now watching the newest season of Top Chef or the newest one that's on Hulu, which is the one that they were in Louisville and and, uh, and like kind of the southern-ish. So yeah. we like to look for those. Um, we watched Great British Bake Off. She's actually re-watching that with some friends. Um, I also have been... Almost every night we've been we have some kind of activity as far as like I'm rewatching Community with a friend of mine. Um, Good choice. We're rewatching Parks and Rec with another group of people, um, and then we're doing like pub trivia with this couple that kind of got that going on Thursday night. So we we like to do trivia and stay busy in the evenings. So we have kind of things to write on the calendar because there's not a lot of other things happening. So, <laughs> um, so that's, that's been kind of fun things that we do in the evenings. Yeah. Very cool. Now. So back to the classroom, what, yeah. what has been a moment that was like a highlight MVP lesson of yours that you want to brag about? Or is there a lesson that flopped that you learned from? Um, what can you share with the audience today? Um, I really enjoyed, um, we haven't done it yet this year, but last year we had a really good time going over the great Gatsby in my English class. And uh, specifically, we, we always, before we watch the movie, we have like a night, like a 1920s party. And I think the kids really get into that, that style and aesthetic of the 1920s. And I really miss that this year because we're not going to be able to do that. Um, but that's a really fun like lesson and unit that kind of culminates with that kind of party. Let them plan it. They look at what are the 1920 aesthetics. They look at, you know, what are some of the, the designs and art decos and what would people wear and. Um, they had a good, they get a good kick out of that. So I, I like that project. Um, some of them that have not worked out so well is the, uh, I've been trying to push more. I really love, um, the crucible and sometimes I handle it a different way. There's a couple of really good podcasts that I've been wanting the students to listen to, but they're pretty cool. Long. Um, so I'm trying to rework that for next year cause I want them to kind of get some extra steps outside of the book. Um, but it's a long play, but I'm still, Still looking at how to teach it correctly. Not that I'm doing it bad, but I just want to keep working on making sure it's the, the best play we can all read together. Yeah. And, and how is that, like, reading a play, you know, in a classroom? <laughs> like, what are, like, what are some expert tips that yeah. if someone wanted to try that, they should use? Well, I know um, the kids definitely, at first, they don't like to... Uh, they don't like to read or be assigned a role, but la later on, they really want to read. And a lot of my students want to be involved because it kind of keeps them engaged. Um, I try to 
like cast the, the the play for each different act or scene so they kind of can get involved and if they're not involved they have other roles as well like there's a a note taker and a quote finder so that students can kind of stay engaged even if they aren't reading because that's a lot of students can fall asleep sometimes and that's not what you want them to do when you're reading if they're not involved um so i try to get as most as many kids involved as i can when we do plays um so that, that helps. Uh, I also do what's called dialectical journals, which is kind of like a, a journal for quotes and some dialogue that they have. Um, so that kind of keeps them engaged as well as we're going through. I would say, hey, look at this. That's a good quote. Write this down. And uh, we analyze it a little bit more, too. Um, but a lot of the kids, they like to read it. Uh, I think it's I wish we did more plays. Um, so I'm going to try. Maybe maybe we'll do more. I don't know. But uh, I think the kids like it. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I was in high school, um, I always loved it, but I was theater one, two, three, four. I took it every year in high school. <laughs> nice. um, but I, I know some of my friends absolutely hated it. And I just think they didn't know how to read it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's neat. Well, um, what's one thing um, that a teacher could learn from you um, that they could take into their classroom at the start of next year or use sometime during next year's school year to make them a better teacher? Um, I think it kind of goes back to what we mentioned a little bit earlier as far as getting to know the students. I don't think there's anything wrong with the first couple days really taking the time. And even though it sounds stupid, play some of those those theater and, you know, camp games because they might sound corny. But I think the students really have a good appreciation for people that can have a little bit of fun with them, especially getting to know them a little bit more. Um, I think that's really important to help set up a good, strong base at the beginning. And then you can build up from there. I know that's why a lot of my theater classes are successful because we get to know each other before we really start to, to work on things. So take the time. Don't, don't rush through the get to know you part of your uh, beginning of the year. Um, but I think, that's, I think that's what I really like about when I start the year up again. So I'm excited to meet some new people. And that's how I do it. Definitely. Now, do you have any certain resources you use or you kind of just like Google and try and then keep if you like it and ditch it if you yeah, don't? Yeah, um, I, I have a lot of theater uh, theater books that I use for, for games and activities. Um, there's a guy cool. named Augusto Bawal who does uh, a lot of like community theater work and he's got a lot of really cool games. Um, so if anybody want to look up Bawal, B-O-A-L, I think is his name. Yeah, I'm trying to look up through my stuff in here. He's got a really good one. Um, uh, I steal a lot of other acting games from this guy, or this woman named Ann Bogart, who does some physical acting, which is uh, that helps kind of help students move around. I think a lot of students get a little antsy, so I steal some of Ann Bogart's kind of sight lines. Uh, that's what she's called the viewpoint. Um, but to get them moving around, I think that's good for any class. Um, so those are just some resources that I've used in the past that helpful. Yeah. Very cool. And I, I mean, I love that idea. You know, for me, health and PE, I do team building first couple yeah. weeks. And then I, I, that's how I start every class, because I just feel like with theater and PE being similar and the fact that you are putting yourself in front yeah. of everyone. Yep, your body, your so you got it. Your, your biggest tool. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you're in math class and you don't know the content, someone's really not going to know that you don't know it unless, you know, they're looking at your paper or whatnot, but in classes like ours, you are putting yourself out there for the world. Yep. And that's something that I, rem I can't remind myself that a lot too, because some students are a little shy and they don't, you know, it takes them a while to, to break out of their shell a little bit. So not to, 
not to push it, but to just give them the time that they need to kind of become comfortable. Yeah, I love it. I dig it. Well, hey, um, is there any shout outs that you want to give to the listeners, anybody in your department or school or or whatnot? Here's your chance if you'd like to do well, that. Well, just shout out to the uh, 10th graders and also – I got a couple seniors. This is my. This would have been my first senior class because I started this in my fourth year there. So I see some of my freshmen all the way up to seniors this year. So I'm gonna, you know, miss. Uh, I know one of the kids I've had a long time. Her name Savannah Hart. I've seen her go from ninth grade all the way up to seniors. So um, she's a cool kid. A um, couple other kids, uh, Janae Days out there, and other boys like uh, you know Charles Swank and all of our center kids. Um, you know, it's we have a nice little family environment there. So. Shout out to the center and uh, yeah, everybody else is around. I miss all y'all too. Very cool. Well, thank you uh, for taking time out of your day and being on the show. And uh, I hope the listeners uh, got to learn something from you and they'll apply it next yeah, year. No problem. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Corey, for putting this together and uh, yeah, keep uh, stay safe and healthy out there, everybody. There you go. Tea drinkers. That was an episode of Staffalty spilling the tea. I want to thank you for steeping in our episode. And do me a favor and go give us a four or five star review and click that subscribe button so you get future episodes. This has been real. This has been fun. And this has been real fun. Till next time. See you.